Well, this morning I want to talk about the ministry of showing up. That's right. You can read there in the balcony. That's good. This is not intended to be a guilt trip by any means, but I do think that there is a sermon here for all of us, for me included. What does it mean to show up? And how does that impact the event itself or the thing that we're showing up to? Let me ask you, for those of you that are sports enthusiasts, this looks like a sporting event that's pretty big. And when you show up to something like this, there's police officers out there, I mean, probably hundreds of them directing traffic, making sure everything is organized, and you feel at that moment that I am someplace that must be pretty important because there's a lot of people here. However, maybe you've gone to a ball game and look more like this, and you find yourself looking at your watch, do I have the time right, looking at the ticket, is this actually when the the sporting event is supposed to take place? And you look around thinking, yeah, I bought the seat up here, but I guess we can sit anywhere we want to. And there's a sense that you feel like, well, maybe there's something else going on somewhere else that's of bigger and, and, and better, more important something, and I'm missing out. You ever feel that way? How about a class reunion? I have my 20th year high school reunion coming up next spring. I've never gone to a reunion before. That's pretty bad, huh? So I need to put it on the calendar. I need to find out when it is. But what's the question that you ask? Is anybody going to be there? I mean, that's kind of the point, isn't it? I mean, if you go to a class reunion and it's just you and maybe one other person that you don't even remember graduating with, And so a lot of times people call or they Facebook or they text, are you going? Did you realize, oh, I'm not sure. And everybody wants to be noncommittal, right? It's the same with family reunions. I don't know whose family this is, but they're being showcased in the Hendersonville church this morning. Looks a little bit like a dated picture. But even family reunions, you want everybody to be there, don't you? If everybody's not there, something is, is missing or left out. Now, some families here, your kids have grown up, they've gone away to college, and there's something missing for you on a Friday night or a Sabbath afternoon around the the kitchen table if you're not all there. But if everybody is there, now this is a big deal. It's a big event. It's the same for Christmas. We make songs about it, don't we? I'll be home for Christmas. It's a promise. Because somebody on the other end, it could be somebody you love, it could be your mother, it could be whoever, but they want to know, will you be home? It won't be the same if you're not there. How about that little league game? If dad is in the stands or not, or mom or whoever, it makes a difference, doesn't it? And let me just say, for some of you parents whose kids are getting a little bit older, and they kind of think, oh, we don't need you there, oh, no, just stay home, whatever, they still, they notice when you're there. And they may not even recognize the fact that you were there, because they're too cool at that point. But they're still glad you were there. To see them round third and come home for for a a point, a a run. How about just those... uh, Smaller appointments, but really pretty big appointments. Just showing up to read a book to your little girl, your little boy. You promised you would read me a story. It's a big deal. 
Helping them with homework can also be a big deal. To be there when you say you're going to be there. But how about church? This isn't quite what our church looks like, but I thought it was a nice picture. Is there anything in Scripture that tells us that we need to show up? I mean, we have the fourth commandment. We know it well. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and it you shall do no work. Okay, I got that part. You nor your son nor your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, your cattle and your strangers within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heavens, earth, sea, and all that's in them, and the rest of the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and went to church. I didn't, I didn't see it and hallowed it, but it's not there. So where do we get this idea that we need to attend? Do we need to attend? Does it just put us on a naughty list if we don't? Is it optional? Hmm. Because we don't see there any place where it says we have to go to church. I want to look at another verse here in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3. It says, six days your work shall be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy what? Convocation. Now that spells it out a little bit more, a holy convocation. A convocation is a gathering. It's where the whole assembly comes together. And it could be for political purposes. It could be for legal purposes. But no, this is not either of those. In fact, I think I have the definition here. If you can read it, a large formal assembly of people. But this is a holy convocation. This is saying six days you do your work, but on the Sabbath, I want you to come together. It's important to do that, to come together. Now, a lot of times I'll hear people say, well, you know, I've had a rough week. And I just, I get more blessing out of just being out by a creek somewhere or, or enjoying the view or, or overlooking a lake and all those kinds of things. I understand that. I get that. But that's kind of a, a, a me-centered idea too because I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm just worried about me and what I need. Other people will say, well, I get my church on 3ABN. The sermons are better. (laughs) Who amened up there? Man. Rough crowd. They should at least be shorter, right? 30-minute time slots. I don't even know what I was talking about. I get my church at, <laughs> at 3ABN. You know, that's nice, but how much interaction do you get with people on 3ABN? It's a one-way communication, isn't it? Did you get to shake anybody's hand? Did you get to ask how they were doing? Did you get to check on anyone? Did anybody check on you? Did anybody notice if you didn't turn on 3ABN today? And if somebody passes away in your home or there's some major crisis in your life, will 3ABN come? Now, I'm not saying 3ABN is a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing to many people. And there are such things as shut-ins and all that. I, I get that. But if I am able to take part in a holy convocation... Shouldn't I make a good effort to do that? To be able to minister to other people, to be blessed, but also to be a blessing. Other people say, well, we were on vacation. It's an interesting thing to say, 
because it's almost like, uh, well, we were on a vacation from going to church. We were on a vacation from religious things. I mean, it's just such a burden, so we were on vacation. Now, sometimes you're far away. You can't find a church and all those types of things. But now with technology, it's easier to find an Adventist church than ever, isn't it? And yes, you may go to a church that's not exactly your style or your taste or whatever it might be, but maybe you could be a blessing to somebody else. Maybe you could raise a question that wouldn't have been raised if you weren't there in this Apple School discussion or whatever it might be. Maybe you could observe something in another church that you say, you know what, we could really do that at Hendersonville and that would be a great thing. Maybe you will sit there in the pew and nobody will talk to you the entire time and you'll see how it feels to be a guest because human nature has it that we just kind of gather around people that we know and without even intending to sometimes we turn our backs on people that we don't and maybe to feel that once in a while is huh do do i do that am i guilty of that when a guest comes to my church and i want to be sure to, to reach out to them sit next to them and that type of thing Sabbath isn't just about you, your rest, your time of reflection with the Lord, etc. It includes coming together as a corporate body of believers. Do you agree with that? Here we have an example of Jesus in Luke 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. That was his custom. That's what he did. Some of the other excuses I hear is that, you know, the church is so cold. It's just not friendly. You know, there's people in that church that have said all kinds of terrible things. They amen when I say there's bad preaching. And our feelings get hurt. (laughs) Well, you know, what did they try to do to Jesus just a few verses after this? They took him to the cliff. They wanted to kill him. How many of you have ever gone to a church where you thought you were going to die? Any takers? Yet we can be so fragile. Nobody talked to me. Nobody ever came up. Well, you have a mouth too, right? You can talk. You can say hello. You can smile. Now, granted, there are some churches that are colder than others. But still, I think we need to be part of the solution, not just throw our hands up and say, well, never mind. As his custom was. Jesus wasn't asking, well, I wonder if they're going to welcome me. I wonder if someone's going to sit next to me. I wonder if they're going to be kind to me. I sure hope the message doesn't offend me. I hope this and this and this and this. He just went. I sure hope they don't kill me, but I'm going to go anyway. But we make excuses. I already mentioned this. I just, I get just as much of a blessing in nature. The sermons are better on 3ABN. We had company. That's another one that I hear. Well, that wouldn't be a good witness to go to church when you have company. The better thing to do is pretend you never go. Good one. (laughs) Too tired. You know, it's, and this one kind of goes with it. It's my only morning to sleep in. Now, this one's really interesting. My wife works about two days a month. When she does, the whole house falls apart, but that's not part of the illustration. 
I try and facilitate her in the morning and get up and make sure things are ready in the kitchen and and send her on her way. She leaves the house about 6.30 in the morning. Now, we start here with music and meditation at 9 in the morning. Let's see, 6.30, 7.30, to 9. That's an extra two and a half hours. Sounds to me like you could still sleep in and go to church. Right? But I'm just too tired. Some of you are getting up earlier than that, getting to jobs earlier than that. And, oh, 9 o'clock is too early. I just talked to somebody on Thursday. He goes into work at 3 o'clock in the morning. But 9 o'clock is just too early. So we'll drift in at 9.45, 10, 10.30, 11. Even during the worship service, we'll just kind of drift in because we want to, you know, the sermon and then we'll be on our way. And Anyway, and we're on vacation. We've talked about that already. They're not friendly to me. If we go back, though, to Leviticus 23, there were other occasions besides the Sabbath worship service that they were expected to attend. If you just open your Bibles here to Leviticus 23, there's a lot of other headings that will appear. Here I've listed some of them for you. Passover, Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. These were all gatherings that God's people, the children of Israel, were supposed to come out for. These were holy assemblies. And you say, whoa, 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 time out. We don't live back then. I'm not part of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Those were all shadows pointing forward to Christ. And that would be true. We are not ancient Israel. But I think the problem could come up. And yes, it's true. The Old Testament pointed towards the sacrifice. Yes, it's true. Jesus died. And so we don't do all of those things anymore. And of course, the veil was ripped from top to bottom and all of that. I I get that. I'm not trying to say that Jesus' sacrifice is not valid. What I am trying to say is the danger can be that I think all I need to do, the only thing that's required of me now is church attendance. And there's no other holy convocations for which I need to be part of. Are you with me? Since the feasts of ancient Israel no longer required of believers, it might be easy to assume that the only holy convocation we have to concern ourselves with is the Sabbath morning worship service. And so this is every week our largest gathering, bar none. This is it. And if I had to say of even the time, I mean, if if we had this at Sabbath school, oh, wow. If we had this at prayer meeting, Wow! If we had this at anything, wow! Look at the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. How did they do church? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That sounds a lot like Bible study, maybe. And fellowship, that's important. And in the breaking of bread, eating meals together. And in prayers. It sounds like they're spending a lot of time together. And now all who believe were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So in continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And so they're coming together over and over and over and over. And just having everybody there creates this energy that something is happening. This is exciting. And what happens? And the Lord added to the church 
daily those who are being saved. But we shuffle in the prayer meeting. And, you know, I've pastored churches where there's two or three people at prayer meeting. Sometimes I'd show up wondering if anybody would be there. And there's always seemingly a, a faithful one or two. Sabbath school teachers that develop a, a great discussion and questions and they've studied and all the rest and nobody's there. How about for some of the, the younger, uh, but they can be for older too. When do we start Sabbath school, Pastor? Because they don't actually really show up until about 10 o'clock. I've heard that before. Well, if I don't start until 10 o'clock, then what's the point in getting there at 930 because there's nothing for me to do but to sit in color? And so now the leader that has stepped forward and put forth time and effort and energy and preparation, what are they going to be? Are they, they're going to be discouraged, aren't they? Because they, nobody comes. But rather, when everybody's there, there's this energy that's created and people are added to the church. Continuing the next verse, Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. This is important. Let's go. Let's go to the church and pray. Acts 12, verse 5. Peter again, he's in prison. But the church gathers together. They're in constant prayer. It's being offered for Peter. And so an angel leads him out. Do you remember this story? It's a great story. And he knocks on the door where the church is praying. He came to the house of Mary where they were gathered together praying. And they're shocked. They're amazed. I mean, this church, this early church is coming together a lot. Now, let's just take prayer meeting for, for a moment. Because I've seen this happen before. Somebody is new to the church, they come in, they're baptized, they're excited, and maybe even at their baptism, have you seen this where the family is like this? We don't like this. This isn't good. They're joining a cult, or they, they come up with all kinds of other things, and, and we're just not in favor. And so not only have they joined our church, yes, but they have in, in so many ways alienated themselves from their family, their support system. And so they're coming to prayer meeting knowing that they need what's at prayer meeting. They need more time in, in God's word. They need more time in prayer. And so they are there. At, but sadly, they are there by their self, alone. And the church just kind of, it's almost as if they haven't done laundry in, in two weeks or something. And there's this, this ring around the person. People sit here and here and here and here and here. And my heart breaks for the person who's there by themselves that needs more support probably than anybody else in the whole prayer meeting. But we make excuses. I don't have time to come to prayer meeting. I'm busy. There's, there's a league, and there's this, there's that. I, I've, I've heard, I've gone through that book before, I've heard this before, the pastor probably can pre present stuff I already know. You know what, that's fine. But at that moment, it's this person over here that needs you to come sit next to them. It's not about you all the time. It's about when the church comes together in a holy convocation. Now, I probably should pause right here. Somebody's probably thinking, you're being kind of hard on us. Aren't, aren't there reasons not to go to things? Well, sure, certainly there are. Health will prevent you from coming. Work schedules can prevent you from coming. I, I understand all of those things, and I'm not asking. There's a lot that happens in this church. I can, myself, cannot go to everything that happens in this church. But I am wondering are there places, I pretty much know who's involved in what parts of every aspect of this church. 
which is great. People have chosen, this is an area that I'm going to commit myself, and I'm going to show up on a consistent and regular basis. That's great. I'm not asking you to do everything. You can't do everything. But showing up demonstrates what you value. Isn't that true? That's why kids like to see you at their stuff, because it says that they are important to you. What does it say in Matthew 6, 21? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Another phrase that we hear from time to time is that time is money. So we kind of could read it, where your time is spent, there your heart will be also. And we go and we go and we go and we get so busy with everything else. I get it. Life is busy. My life is busy. And on a regular basis, Elizabeth and I, we have to sit down. We have to try and prioritize again and again and again what we're going to do and what we're not going to do because we can't do it all. Does that sound like your house? And sometimes you think, oh, what's the point? And you just give up. You can't just give up. You have to constantly be readjusting all the time. It's like that airplane, when it takes off until it lands, it's off course some 90-some percent of the time. Yeah, because if you take a straight line, you know how in math, and it's going like this and around and over, and it has to go over here for a little bit. And so it's, that, that beeline is not anywhere, but as long as you land at destination. Why? Because the pilot or the autopilot is constantly making course corrections. And so you have to look at your schedule and say, well, if we do this and this, we can't do that and that. Now, when you were dating somebody or just starting to date somebody, that was pretty easy, right? Clear the calendar. I'll be there. Because it shows that you are important and your value more than anything else. I'm paying thousands of dollars for college tuition, but I don't care. I'll skip class. Priorities. Where your treasure is, where your time is spent, your heart will be also. And showing up also demonstrates what you do just because you want to, not because you have assignment or responsibility. Now, this might step on some toes, too. But how many of you only show up when it's your responsibility to do something? Well, I'm off this Sabbath. Let's go to the mountains. There's times that can be a great thing. But if you only show up to prayer meeting the one time you have to teach it every year, that speaks pretty loud. Anyway, I'll move on. Attendance can be a greater indicator of involvement than work can be. Stop and think about that. Those that are involved in this church, or any church, but those that are involved in this church attend. They show up. To everything? No, but they show up to a fair bit of things. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some... But exhorting one another, that, and so much more as you see the day approaching. That's the second coming. As we get closer to the second coming, are we supposed to meet together more or less? More. more. We're supposed to have more holy convocations where we gather together. It would be so exciting and so inspiring if this many people came to events that we did in this church. And that's one thing I like about uh, public evangelism. And I should say this too, I, I'm so impressed with how this church pulls together and pulls off big events. 
we're, we're talking about dates for a Daniel fast because we already have like 25 people signed up for the next one that hasn't even been planned fully. That's wonderful. And I hear at the end of some of these events that have been exhausting just a wee bit on some people. And they say, you know, I just, I don't want it to stop. How could they say that? Because it's this holy convocation that brings people together and they're able to check in on each other, not just once a week, but like several times a week, four or five times a week. How are you doing? How's this going? How did Tesco go today? And it brings us closer together and closer to Jesus Christ. That's the church. Amen. The assembling of ourselves together. And the reason why it says the second coming, we need to do it more, but to exhort one another. That's to encourage one another. That's your job and my, that's all of our jobs to encourage one another. That's a big part of showing up to church. Otherwise, now that we have live stream working, just stay home next week. In fact, for the money we save and, and the lights and, and the upkeep of this building, we're just going to sell this thing, get everybody an iPad, woohoo, and then we'll do church live online. No, that's not church. That's one way. And it's not fulfilling God's purpose. And so to exhort or encourage one another, if we go back one verse, verse 24, it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. So why do we come together? Because we're considering one another. We're encouraging one another. We're building up one another. And that's important. Attendance is virtually encouragement ministry. Right? Every ministry in some measure rises and falls based on attendance. Is it true? Yeah. Let's take an example, church socials. So somebody signs up to be the church social coordinator. It's fall time, I know. Let's do some harvest event. And so they get their committee together and they make a bunch of phone calls. Okay, we have a farm. Yes, we can have it out here. We'll clean up the barn. And so they spend all kinds of hours trying to clean it up and get hay for everybody. And then we're going to have some pony rides. And so somebody has to make that phone call and the tractor and, and all this stuff. Who's going to bring food? And what food are we going to bring? And what night's it going to be? Oh, we have to call Judith and make arrangements for it to go into the bulletin. Now we're going to get up front. I hate being up front. And so I'm scared to death, but I'm saying, come to our harvest festival. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm trying to convince you to come. And we do all of this stuff and then like three people show up how does that feel to the person that went to all or even the team that put all that together forget that do you want to hear a lot I'm not going to do it because you want to finish it for me Nobody comes. Nobody comes. And so when we attend something, we're encouraging that person, thank you for what you did. That was really nice. We really enjoyed that. But instead of thinking in terms of, that would be an encouragement to them and to other people, I'm going to go. We think, well, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Yeah, I didn't think we were going to go either. Church business meetings. Church business meetings. We don't like that. Well, why don't we try something else? All church business meetings. 
Everybody, business meeting. Oh, I don't like that either. How about church family meeting? That sounds a little nicer, maybe, but people still don't come. Do we really not care at all the business and the work of the church? That we don't even bother to show up? We'll grumble about it later if they make a bad decision, that's for sure, but I'm not going to go. What? In fact, we're going to have a church business meeting, I think it's towards the end of October, on a Sunday. I think it may be, is the 25th of Sunday or something? Somewhere in there, we're having a church business meeting to talk about something I'm very excited about. We're going to try, if, if you all are on board, or if the six of you that show up are on board, we're going to try to have this, this lobby extend, well, it's, it's the, the part that's covered is going to go out this way, all the way to the windows where the bathrooms are. And we're going to put an elevator in here, and it's going to come in. I mean, and there's going to be windows. It's going to be high ceilings. You're going to be able to look out of this. All you Balkanites can, can, can walk out and look across the lobby. Yeah, they're Balkanites. You didn't know that? <laughs> they're a very elite group, let me tell you. <laughs> that sounds like a very familiar Amen. Uh-huh. I mean, for ministry purposes, this could be really great, because right now what we really have is a wide hallway, and everybody converging to get out because of this long sermon, I should have stayed home for 3 p.m., and everybody's coming down from the balcony and, and trying to get outside, and it's stuck, and it's, it's a problem. We, as a church, have an opportunity to do something together, and we want to talk about a church business meeting. Well, I'm going to go two minutes at the lake that day. It's October! You know, we could talk about a church, church board meeting, too. All of you are invited that are members to our church board meeting anytime you want to. They're open, unless we go into executive session, which we've never done since I've been here. It's not saying we can't. If we have a very sensitive issue, but unless we do, just come. You are invited any and every time if you want to come. Now, granted, it's not going to be the most exciting thing that ever takes place, but if you're interested in the business of the church, you could come. Community outreach. Show up. Be part of it. Men's ministries, women's ministries, church workday. I'll tell you, nothing is more depressing than two people that show up to try and do a huge job for church workday or church work B or whatever you want to call it. But if a ton of people show up, and we've had some great success, Chris Wetmore, and, and I think Whitney's even been part with women's ministries, when a lot of people show up and you get something done and you leave in like two hours thinking, I didn't even do anything, but that looks way better. That's inspiring. We have improved the house of God, and it didn't cost us anything but a little sweat equity because people were willing to attend and show up. Same with school events. Well, I don't have any kids in that school, and my kids are all grown. doesn't matter. Show up. They love to see people out there. How about Sabbath school? I bet you, many of you may not realize that music for meditation starts right here at 9 o'clock in the morning. And it's beautiful music. Great music. 3ABN quality music. <laughs> I can say that because they've been on 3ABN, some of them. And there's, you know, three, four, five, eight people in here. I would love it if the church was this full for music and meditation. It's been crazy. It's been hectic trying to get out of the house, this and that. And so I just need to sit down and take about eight deep breaths. <sighs> listen to some nice music. Listen to a mission report. 
hear some, some inspiring stories, whatever it is, and then we all divide together, children too, down to their respective Sabbath schools at 935. I think that'd be great. Can it be a challenge to get out of the house? It can. Is that really an issue of priorities? It is. Am I talking to myself? I am. <laughs> How about prayer meeting? I've already talked about it. How about young adults? You know, you look at this church, whether it be the pioneers of the Seventh-day Adventist movement, whether you talk about God's disciples or Jesus' disciples that he selected, most of them, many of them, young adults. Amen. Energy. Passion to do things. Not this idea, well, it's never been done that way before, can't do it, this and that. But we're losing our young adults, many of them to scholastic endeavors, which, you know, is fine. I'm not trying to say don't get an education. But I think sometimes we put education up here and we put church involvement down here. And they don't need, you don't, the church doesn't want to wait until you are a young professional or a middle-aged professional to get you back. We need you now. Let me share this quote with you. This is volume four of the Testimonies 425. Many students have made their studies the first great object and have neglected prayer and absented themselves from the Sabbath school and the prayer meeting. I don't have time. I just have to study. I have to study. I have to study. I don't have time. And from the neglect of religious duties, they have returned to their homes backslidden from God. And so we're spending all kinds of money to send our kids to these Adventist schools. They're not being involved in anything religious because they're focused on their studies first and foremost. And they come home and they're back, backslidden. What does that mean? They they've essentially could care less about the church. A most important part of their education has been neglected. That which lies at the foundation of all true knowledge should not have been made a secondary consideration. And then she quotes some passages. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. And another verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But she doesn't finish it. And all these things will be added unto you. Oh, Pastor Wright, I'm in medical school. You don't understand. Well, are you keeping the Sabbath? That can be a challenge. Yeah, I'm keeping the Sabbath. How about taking that hour and going to prayer meeting? I don't have an hour. What if you take the hour and you go and you minister in your local church and your, your brain, your mind is able to just kind of get breathe a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? It just gets so suffocated. And then all of a sudden you can think clearer. And is it at all possible that the Lord could bless the hours that remain? Amen. And maybe it's not prayer meeting. Maybe it's a small group Bible study that you're, well, there isn't any around. Well, then start one. All you need is three, four friends. And you meet at this place at this time and you say, okay, we're going to get together. We're going to read some verses. We're going to pray for each other and pray that I can make more, better use of my time for these two, three hours that remain than I did with the four and a half before. It's like stewardship of time. So she says, this must not be made last but first. We need our young adults. Total member involvement. This is everybody doing something for Jesus. This is the world church calling for total member involvement. When that is experienced... That's exciting. Everybody doing something. I mean, that's like no dead weight. I probably shouldn't have said that, but you know, everybody's doing something. And when everybody's doing something, nobody's complaining because they're too busy doing stuff. And when everybody's doing something, big things start to happen and they say, wow, this is incredible. 
This is so amazing. And the church grows. 1 John 3, verse 4 and 5 says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. That's what makes us guilty, isn't it? But somebody decided to show up. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away your sins. What if Jesus said, you know what? I don't know if you realize, but I'm part of the the Trinity. It's a lot on my mind. It's a lot going on. I'm super busy. Things are happening. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to show up. They'll just have to get along without me. What would that have meant for you and I? Do you think he was ever tempted to not show up? Day after day after day. You know, we talk about the church not being nice. The church was terrible to him. Tried to trap him day in and day out. Like a dog on your heels. Bite, 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 bite. But he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And at that point in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was overwhelmed, he said, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, I don't want to do it. Can we send somebody? Is there another thing we can do that we haven't done? But not as I will, but as you will. And then, you know, the crowd shows up, and Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came, and Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? And they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. I mean, he could have bucked it right there, couldn't he? Couldn't he have just slain them all right then and there? But he didn't. He could have run from the Garden of Gethsemane in the other direction. But he didn't. Then the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, nope, not me. No, he decided to show up and say, it is as you said. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy. He's deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and they beat him and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you. And then Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, It is as you say. Another opportunity, if you will, to run, to flee, to not show up. But he says, It's as you say. And so, how do we treat him? Well, we twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, put a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. The part that boggles my mind is that he could have, so easily could have. He could have said, forget the human race. They're not worth it. 
They're not priority. They're not of, of enough value. But instead, he shows up. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, and he died for you and for me. The Son of God decided to show up, not to be treated like a king, but to minister and provide and offer salvation to us. I'm sure glad he decided to show up. And the good news is, he's going to show up again for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. And this will be the scene. Won't that be beautiful? If we believe Jesus is coming soon, what if we as a church just decided Let me back up from that. What if I, as an individual, decide in the morning, I'm going to show up? For family worship, I'm going to show up. In my church, I'm going to find places and times that I'm going to show up, and it's not just going to be Sabbath morning at 1059. What would God's church look like? What could we do by God's grace if we just would show up. That is my challenge for you and it's a challenge for me. How is the Lord convicting you to be more involved in these last days? What do you need to reprioritize? What do you need to shift? What do you need to just get rid of altogether so you can have the time that you need to do what's most important? Dear Heavenly Father, that is the prayer of our hearts this morning. We want to be servants for you. And that's going to require us to get out of our comfort zone, maybe go to some things that we haven't gone to, to be more involved, not just in the activities of the church, but the people of the church, to be there to minister to others, to be there so that others can minister to us, that the church may be built up and may grow, and that you may be glorified. So, Lord, we want to surrender to whatever way you are convicting us this morning. Help us to get out our our daily planners to see what needs to change or be adjusted so we can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. Anything that's of any importance certainly will be added and will come together. In Jesus' name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.